0: Hey, folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today for several reasons. One, I'm sitting here in the Furman Garner Performance Studio at KUAF. Here's our locally our local public radio here in Northwest Arkansas. I'm so honored to partner with KUAF. As you know, the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast is also featured on Ozarks at Large. So this podcast comes out every Monday on Tuesdays for the Ozarks at Large episode. They typically take a segment of my podcast episode and put it on Ozarks at Large. So that's really cool. And I'm certainly honored to partner with these guys. And they have, I mean, in between Kyle Callums and Lee Wood and and everybody else that's here at the station, they've just been tremendous. And so I'm excited today because whenever I get to interview somebody on the podcast that's already been on the podcast, that's kind of like a homecoming for me. It's kind of like a chance for me to just gain some additional just connection with an individual. But these people that are on the podcast today, these these beautiful women that have joined me today are just some of the first people that I connected with when I got here and decided to do the podcast And I said, I have to connect with them because they were doing some amazing things. And that is Jasmine Hudson and Jeron Merchant. And they both are just doing crazy things here in Northwest Arkansas. You probably know them as Jazzy J NWA. You probably know them for Black owned NWA. They've done a number. They've worked with like Sierra Polk and others doing an amazing job with Black owned NWA, kind of highlighting Black businesses here in Northwest Arkansas. And then they connected with a young lady named Madia Willis, Madia rather, I should say, <laughs> they corrected me and I'm already messing it up. <laughs> Madia Willis is their third partner in crime. And these women have done something amazing. They basically took what I would like like to say they took and leveraged their connect with the community, their artistic abilities, their understanding of business, and married all of that into what is now known as the Black Paper Party, which if you are an African-American, you know better than anybody else that finding things that look like you when you go into the store is sometimes hard. And so they did a really good job of filling in a gap that does exist in the marketplace when it comes to representation in a lot of artifacts that we use for our wrapping papers, for clothing that we wear, for figurines, for even something as simple as a coffee mug. And so Jasmine, Jaron, and Madia have done a great job with Black Paper Party, just basically taking something from nothing and creating an amazing business in the works. And so I said, I had to have them on the podcast again. They were on episode 33, which was entitled Just Ask Jazzy J NWA. That was back in September of 2019. And now four years later, here we are again having a conversation, but it's a much different conversation. So without further ado, I want to welcome... Jasmine, I have two parts of the three-part group of Black Paper Party. I have Jasmine and Jaron here in the studios at KUAF. How are you, ladies, doing?
2: Good, good. good. Excited to be back. Yeah, I'm excited
0: <laughs> to you have you back. Out. We've been working hard to try to get this to try to get this off the ground, and so I'm really thankful that you guys were able to find some time. I ran into you at the Northwest Arkansas Tech Summit. Shout out to those guys to the amazing job that they did at the Rogers of at the embassy suites and the Rogers Convention Center there just off the highway. But it's always interesting whenever I participate in any events here in Northwest Arkansas, you run into the same people. You run into folks that are, what I like to say, that are, that are not necessarily movers and shakers, but they are people that are out there trying to make things happen. And you guys certainly qualify as Aww, far as you. that's <laughs> concerned. So <laughs> I have been a huge fans of yours since we originally met. And then, you know, just kind of watching Your evolution has been nothing short of breathtaking. And more importantly, I think as an African-American entrepreneur, it's been truly encouraging. So Mm -hmm. I would love for you guys just to kind of give an introduction to the uninitiated that might be listening to this particular podcast episode. I would love for you just to kind of give us a little, just a background of Black Paper Party and how it started in the first place.
3: Oh, wow. Sure. So Black Paper Party is a seasonal celebrations business focused on representation during holidays and special occasions. So kind of like what you were saying, Randy, just think Black Santa, angels, gnomes, all of that. And we have everything from um, snow globes to wrap, bags, ornaments, and we've even branched out into everyday birthday. So we have paper plates, cups, napkins, We're across 6,000 stores, across six different retailers. So right now you can find us in Walmart, Target, Macy's, Family Dollar, Dollar General, and CVS. We started, like officially started in 2020, and it was all around seeing ourselves represented. So as the company was still reeling from the murder of George Floyd, it was just a very somber time, and we wanted to figure out how could we just insert Black joy and a little bit of levity, if you will, in the most tasteful way, into our community specifically. So that's kind of how uh, Black Paper Party was founded. And then it was just, how do we leverage our skill sets as well? So Jay is an amazing illustrator, animator. Madia has a great background in textile design, product development, and sourcing. My background is heavy into retail, merch finance, and all of that. So between us three, we literally had the toolbox needed to bring products to market. So once we did that, we just took off.
0: I mean, you guys are like, it was almost like when I look at the skill sets that each of you bring to the table it was a perfect compliment to each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. And, you know, Jaron, I've seen your artwork and I was like, you're I, we talked a long time ago. I was like, man, your artwork, you are truly talented as an illustrator. And I mean, you've had a chance to cut your teeth with some very well-known organizations mm-hmm. as you've continued to develop your art. And I remember when my wife first bought one of your mugs and she brought it home and it just it brought me such joy to see that oh, you know to see your, happy yeah here. to see your creation and just just to be able to witness it and and certainly it's one of the only Christmas items that I use year round
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you know so that there's that right but no I think it's well honestly there are a number of reasons why Your story is important and it should resonate with a lot of people because I think sometimes as when you think of like the lone entrepreneur Mm -hmm. that's in their office cobbling and working day and night, you know, and it's just them getting something off the ground. And I've been guilty of that, you know, where I didn't have a partner, but you guys not only have one, you have two partners Mm -hmm. that work on this and each of you brings a different skill set to the table, you know, and just, you know. What was that like kind of coming together and deciding that, you know what, you know, we could be so much stronger together than we would separately. What was it that really helped you gel that idea or concept of developing all three of your talents together to to create what is now a very successful business?
2: When we first came together, that was like the big thing. We were trying to figure out how, with our powers combined, what can we actually make? So we were thinking, you know, with me illustrating a lot of different characters and then Madia being able to take those and put those into print and pattern design, it just made the most sense to do that. And then just sitting down and figuring out where can we make the biggest impact as well. So, and we figured retail would probably be the best, you know, we African-Americans or specifically the Black diaspora in the U.S., we're some of the most prominent shoppers, but you hardly see us reflected in the packaging or the celebrations of holiday season. We were like, we want to fix that.
0: Well, and, you know, as you say that, I think about just the impact that we make in so many different arenas, like even movies, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we, we're, we're not as represented in the movies, yet we're some of the biggest purchasers of tickets yeah. for movies. Like yep. pre-pandemic, we we bought more tickets per or group than any other group. And, and so it's important to understand that the black dollar in the United States is a lot stronger than people realize.
2: Yeah, to build off of that, a lot of people don't know that specifically around the holiday season, Black families in the U.S. spend about three billion dollars and they wow. start shopping as early as October. Yeah. So to look up and see essentially like a non-black Santa that's just been painted brown and has straight hair, <laughs> doesn't really have <laughs> your features, but you're supposed to spend your hard-earned on money on that. Right. It's kind of jarring a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, and I get it. And again, I think, you know, and it's not so much that. I think people just need to understand that representation does matter. It does. It's
2: important. And
0: it, it's one of those things where, man, you really do want to see somebody that looks like you yeah. doing something, whether it's in business, whether it's on the news, whether it's on a podcast. I mean, you just you you want I mean, it it just it, it's important for you to see that because it reinforces an idea that, hey, if they can do it, I can possibly do it. You know, and I think about and I don't bring this up that often, but my grandfather As the first African-American newscaster with a network, nobody had seen a black person on TV Mm -hmm. doing the news until he came. And once he came along, he opened the door for so many others. Right. And it's the same way when I think about the work that you guys have done that not that there haven't been other company similar to yours, but you're forging a path now that you're going to lay the foundation for somebody else to say, hey, if those folks from Black Paper Party can do it, I can do it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And even just the representation from within the businesses themselves. So one of the things that we're seeing is because we had such a big footprint last year in terms of like our retail reach, now some of those same retailers and more retailers not only are they kind of shopping with more businesses, kind of similar to ours, they're actually developing their own programs internally to bring that representation to the shelf. So I was saying, and there's some like crazy Facebook forums where these women have like 150 black Santa like that they've been collecting since 19, whatever, whatever. Right. But they're saying like, this is one of the first years that. They don't have to actually hunt for a black Santa. Mm-hmm. They're just walking into the store and you can just pick up a gnome, an angel. I mean, yeah. um, it's
2: not turning into this scavenger hunt that it's been in years past. And there's even some that yeah. like don't want to do the scavenger hunt. So they'll go buy a non black Santa and paint them They're brown. Painting. Yeah. So. so
3: I think it's just like the presence of like represented underrepresented communities on shelf right now is a testament to the fact that we were able to kind of lift as we climb or blaze a bit of that trail. And with the footprint and the splash that we made last year, I think we kind of sparked a wake up call to a lot of our retail friends out there.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, and when you say retail friends, I mean, you cut your teeth working at Walmart. Yeah. So you had you had an insight into this industry right. that not everybody has, right? I mean, you were breaking into a space that you knew intimately.
3: Yep. Yeah. How did
0: that how did that play a role in the success of Black Paper Party?
3: It's a huge role honestly because where there's the major learning curve or barriers to entry that you would typically see, we didn't really have that because we spoke the language, we knew the metrics. So whenever it's time to pitch a new business, it wasn't as difficult because we've been pitched too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we know what buyers are looking for. We know what the VP DMMs are looking for. We understand when they're talking about trend, we understand their concerns around costing. We we know what a case pack is, you know what I yeah. mean? So whereas it's a bit difficult for someone who just has like, you know, a dollar and a dream that's trying to, you know, get in there. While it's not impossible, it's just a lot less difficult. And that's why we kind of say like our steps are very much ordered because our backgrounds literally lead up to exactly to everything we're doing right now. Like the way you say, like we've cut our teeth, I've been trapped you know what I mean? In the walls, if you know what I mean? Of the retailer that I was working with. And Because of a lot of those, you know, presentations that I've had to make and those financial deep dives that I've had to do, I can now do that for my business to make sure that we're, you know, healthy and marching towards what we need to march towards as we bring that representation to the market.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, you can't say it any better than that. I think I think it's important. And. You know, certainly if you don't have that background or experience, the next best thing is you've got to do your research, you've yeah, got to do your homework and come research. to the table because it definitely helps you out. Now, Jaron, I know that because of your illustration background, maybe could you talk just a little bit about a recent project or illustration that particularly resonated with you that you've created for Black Paper Party and why did it really did it really kind of set a tone for you?
2: Um, okay. So, oh, wow. I think the most... Well, not the most significant, but what comes to mind right now is the holiday stockings that we're designing. Yeah. So we've kind of been trendsetters in the sense that our stockings feature our Black Paper Party characters on them. So you'll see Papa Claus and Anna Claus, and you'll also see like Holly and the Claus babies. The Claus babies have been a hit. Like all of these kids, seeing them on social media, saying that this looks like me Mm -hmm. or this looks like my brother or my sister or my cousin is just... It warms my heart because they're seeing themselves like it's not something they have to look for. Because like for me, getting into illustration and animation, it didn't even be it wasn't even a thought in my mind to do it until I saw another black person doing it. Like you always see on like Disney Channel or all the other shows where they say they'll show the artist and I'm like, hi, today we're going to draw such and such character from whatever movie. I literally saw Bruce W. Smith, who's the creator of Proud Family. I think The Emperor's New Groove had just came out. Mm -hmm. And he was drawing like Cusco or Yzmer or something like that. And then that's when it clicked to me like, oh, this is something that I can actually do. Right. So to be able to create something else that someone else can see themselves reflected in. It's huge. It's monumental.
0: Yeah. Now you, you actually participated in a couple of illustrator programs. Did, was it with Disney or who did you do it
2: with? So I've worked with Sesame Street. I've worked with Netflix. I've worked with Disney. And most recently I was on the character design team for Disney Junior's Ariel, which is going to be the preschool version of The Little Mermaid. Sure, sure. So I've done a few projects and I also like, I try to help a lot of indie creators get stuff done too. Yeah. So you'll see if you know my work, you'll know when you see it on TV.
0: Exactly. And I know even you and I have talked about doing, mm-hmm. helping me with something. We got to get back to that oh, conversation. Yeah, so, yeah, and I totally understand now why you weren't able to kind of help me at the time, because, of course, you've it's, got uh, this wonderful thing <laughs> happening with Black Paper Party. So, but that's really exciting. So let's talk just a little bit about, you know, I, I mean, I guess maybe kind of some of the insights. Uh, Jasmine, that you might be able to share in terms of the process of how you guys have conceptualized products and how they've become a reality here at Black Paper Party. What does it take for you to say, okay, here's an idea. Of course, Black Santa. You can mm-hmm. put Black Santa on everything, wrapping paper, mugs. Like I said, I have the, those little kids on a mug. and But I mean, how do you kind of what informs the sure. creation of, of all these products?
3: Well, we take a lot of different routes and then we it's all underscored by the process that we know and have learned based on our backgrounds in retail. So firstly, especially at the beginning, it started off as with like, what do our parents go hunting for? Yeah. You know what I mean? We yeah. know they go look for that black angel. They look for the Santa. They don't necessarily look for gnomes, but we're just like, gnomes are cool. Millennials like gnomes. You know what I mean? (laughs) The emerging generations like gnomes are going to bring in gnomes. So first of all, it was just like fill the void and then guide with trend. So we start there. So we look at the market, look at what's kind of out there. But it was difficult because what a lot of what we create does not exist. It doesn't exist. So you kind of have to like make it up or just be inspired by. So we look at the market. We also look at just trending things. So we go on TikTok and if there's like a new dance, that could be a new pose for one of the characters. Or if there's a new song, maybe that's a new like spin on it, so long as it's not like copywritten. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, like uh, you take a spin on it and that's a new sentiment for bag or it's a new theme. And then we look at trending colors because really we don't want to make just more of the same. Yeah, The goal is to use inspiration and then give people kind of what they want, but with edge to it. Yeah. So for instance, right now in Walmart, you'll be able to find our soul Christmas. So it's very much like Let's take like a James Brown Christmas, you know, that wicker chair that mm-hmm. everyone has that picture that in. That sure. Nana Claus and Papa Claus are just like in their heyday. So they don't have like the, the white hair and the white beard. They, you know what I mean? It, yeah. This back in the day. So she has on this really cute jumpsuit, like mm-hmm. seventy style jumpsuit, mm-hmm. but it's like a Christmas tree cutout. Sure. I mean, Papa he's Claus is delivering
2: his gifts in the Cadillac. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> so it's just like we take all of that. And then again, so the underscoring of the process, we have the mood board. So we go out and see what exists in terms of 70s and Black. Then we have our style guide. That means those are the characters. Those are the prints. Those are the colors. And then we start product development. So that's either by way of licensees who take the creative and develop products or we develop products on our own. So that's when the sourcing and the specking out of different things, then that's when that happens. And then we got to figure out how much all this going to cost.
1: (laughs) Where we're going to get it from. Right. And
3: then, of course, like since it's just three of us, we are legal. We are finance. We are sales. We are uh, account management, and marketing. We're operations, like creative. You're
2: doing just gotta, it all. Yeah. It's all in-house. Uh-huh.
0: And you guys are super busy. I mean, every time I we've connected, you're either flying here or there for yeah. something, <laughs> one one thing after another, or this article, interview, or this you know television mm-hmm. show or something along those lines. So I would imagine that aspect of it, the whirlwind of activity. Yeah. How are you able to both? engage with that while at the same time, keeping focused on the main thing, right? Yep. Which is moving this thing along because how many SKUs do you currently have? About 200. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. That's not a few. That's a lot. Right. So yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest thing in terms of, it's just keep keeping with the priority and not uh, getting too bogged down in the weeds. So like how you said, like the main thing, so keep the main thing, the main thing. At the end of the day, are we selling? You know what I mean? And what does your P&L look like? So, And are we creating, you know what I mean, in order to sell? Because if we we get so caught up in all these trips and interviews and all of that stuff, but we haven't created the next mood board or we haven't created the next style guide, and we work about 18 months out. So if we're late, that whole season is gone. Um, so we just make sure we're extremely intentional and protective of creative time, extremely intentional and uh, protective of our sales meetings and following up with buyers and making sure that we are creating the best products that we can. Now it's the, have you ever heard of like the glass balls and rubber balls Mm -hmm. analogy? Yeah. Yeah. So we just like, we just have certain, you know, glass balls that just cannot drop. There's certain things you can let the ball drop and it's a rubber ball and it'll bounce back (laughs) up and you continue the ever never ending juggle. So not to say that with three people, and each of us wearing at least five hats that something doesn't drop, it does, but not the important stuff.
2: Yeah. We're in constant <laughs> communication yeah. with each other, like every day. We're <laughs> either on a group chat or on a call. Uh-huh. Or we're having like Video an impromptu meeting, like we every day, cause with what we do, there's a different problem to solve every day. And yeah. we gotta figure out the quickest, most effective way to get it done.
0: So because I I know you guys and and again, I want to encourage people to listen to episode 33 because we talk about how you guys got together and became friends. Yeah. How did Madia Uh get added to the crew?
3: Yeah. So really, I I met Madia through our involvement at Walmart. We were a part of the. African American Business Resource Group.
0: Okay, and
3: so
2: we're all Walmart alum, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then shout so- out to Walmart because I, I, <laughs> mean, I think people
0: don't realize that Walmart's probably one of the greatest incubators yeah. for for businesses.
2: Absolutely, it
0: really is. Because um, if you can make it at Walmart, then there's you, really and
2: not that's many, in you Any department,
3: yeah. yeah. And if you don't <laughs> have like an MBA, just the experience at Walmart will give you that for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we we were planning. We were on a committee where she was like over like employee engagement and I had events and we were planning the Martin Luther King program and the Black History Month program. And I think all of us were at like a social event because Jay was in corporate affairs at Walmart as well. Maria was in merchandising. I was in merchandising. So while we were out, we ended up just getting connected through one of like the social events. And then it just turned into like, you know what, this could be something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how that initial connection came about.
0: I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so can you can you talk a little bit about, do you remember the first time that somebody had commented to you about the impact, the cultural impact that your designs and creations were having on them, right? I kind of shared with you anecdotally the story that I had. And I think I had mentioned to you, I may have sent you a text or something like, that my wife, Nicola, had picked up one of your mugs and she was in Target and she was so excited about it and it just changed everything for her because she was able to find it. But do you have any other story that you've been able to, that you've shared previously about the cultural impact of what your designs and what Black Paper Party has done for individuals?
2: I would just say just as a whole, just seeing people resharing on social media, sharing with their families, their older parents and their families that didn't have this at all when they were younger, being able to just have something that's specifically made for them. They're not necessarily considered an afterthought and they see themselves reflected in the design. So like, I'll say for me, a lot of the times I'm just ideating on new characters. I'll be sitting at home drawing and I was home for the holidays and my niece was just like, why do you keep drawing Pawpaw? And I'm like, that's not Pawpaw. That's Santa. She was like, that's Paw. It looks like (laughs) Paw, That's Pawpaw. And I was like, I love that you you're seeing the people that you love and you know reflected mm-hmm. in what I'm creating. So,
0: yeah, I mean it's something to be you know like back in the day you'd go into any any home, uh, especially African American home, and you you might see a picture of Martin Luther King, maybe a picture of Black Jesus. I mean, you know, you had you kind of had all kinds of different, but beyond that, not much. And so now it's like okay, you're getting to kind of see yourself in a different way, right? And I think that if anything, I mean, that th- does it feel kind of like um not a heavy weight on you, but does it feel like, wow, we've created this and this is a mantle that we now have to carry. Mm-hmm. We don't want to let anybody down.
3: Yeah. Well, there's an aspect of that because it's just a matter of like you were saying, keep the main thing, the main thing. That's like literally one of my mantras. So it's just uh, because what will happen is someone will say, okay. What about this demographic? Mm-hmm. Maybe you can go from being, like, they'll say, like, brown paper party. You're just like, actually, <laughs> all of the characters are really are brown? brown. Like right, yeah. It's just a matter of do you identify with the characters mm-hmm. that you're seeing or not? And does the name actually turn you off from, sure. you know what I mean, buying? Sure. It? But it's just every, a lot of people say, you know what you should do? You know what you should do? Everyone has a, you know what yeah. you should do or type of thing. Why is it only this particular yeah. <laughs> So it'll be like this creep. Like And I say like scope creep, but it's just like it'll get so far from the core of who we are. And like you were saying, it is a mantle. So we want to make sure that we're being authentic to why we were founded and just triple down on that. And I think that the customer and even those who aren't customers will respect that we're kind of standing on why we were founded, because if we become everything to everyone else, we're going to fizzle out and no longer be a business because we will literally look like everything else. We're here for representation. Now, the goal really is to almost work our way out and hopefully like a buyout or something. So let me know whenever you you want to. But it's just the thing is, to the point where representation doesn't have to be a conversation because it's there. But until that's the case, we will still be, you know, very much relevant. So that's kind of our aim there. And then one of the things too is this, we're not just a solution for, you know what I mean, black families. There's a ton of mixed, what is it? Like multicultural. mixed multicultural families that have either like adopted, yeah. they're mm-hmm. fostering. They're blended they, families. Yeah, blended families right. to where you may not have the girlfriends that be like, girl, you need to go up to Kirkland's and get yourself this, you know, black yeah. Santa. You may not have that network. Sure. So to be able to walk into your Walmart, you know what I mean? Walk mm-hmm. into your Dollar General family dollar and just be able to pick up some things that look like your little ones, regardless if your little ones look like you or not, you know what I mean? It's been a huge thing. So I know we've had actually specifically a lot of multicultural families reach out and just like really express how appreciative they are that our businesses exist because now their little baby girl with the puff balls has a stocking that looks just like Just like her. Or for instance, there was this trend during Valentine's Day when little boys were getting hearts cut into their face, like that lover boy haircut, that was a trend. So Jay drew that into a character that was a plush at Walmart. So people were just like, oh no, he literally looks like my son (laughs) with the haircut and everything. So imagine walking in, seeing your little boy with the lover boy haircut, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, looking super cute regardless if, you know what I mean? They're, you know, the foster adopted or literally like your, your baby, regardless they are, your baby and they should be represented just like everyone else. Sure. I
2: also think it's a full circle moment for all of us because we come from families that are very, we're very, very intentional about us having representation yeah. with us throughout. So to now be, you know, adults and doing the same thing for the next generation is really, really cool. Yeah. Because yeah. I, mean, I didn't realize growing up, like I didn't realize that the representation wasn't there because my dad went so out of the way. To make sure we had it. So I thought he was buying that stuff from the store. He was in the garage painting it. I had no idea.
0: Yeah. That gives a different perspective to it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's impressive. And I know each, and I kind of wish uh, Madia was here to kind of share her story as well. But could you share maybe like a pivotal moment in your career that led you to where you are today with Black Paper Party? And I I want you both to answer this. So, Jasmine, I'm going to start with you on this. But was there a, Can you remember an instance or a moment where you were like, you know what? I need to start something for me. Yeah. Maybe you didn't know it was going to be Black Paper Party, but you know what I'm saying? You were like, I got to start something Uh for me. And it wasn't necessarily what you've created with Black-owned NWA or Jazzy J, but it was just, you know-
3: when I got denied by PTO and I oh. went, off. Oh, <laughs> I lost it. I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, for days, is for me, PTO said it means prepare the others because I'm not coming to work, <laughs> right. not paying time off. I'm not asking you for my time. <laughs> I'm letting you know I will not be here. Right. So when <laughs> my boss was just like denied, I was like, "I don't understand. The, the trip is booked." Like, right. <laughs> when, right. What do you mean? I'm because the overall, like, we're not here to just work pay bills and die right, right so right, i right. had i took a huge issue cuz it literally didn't occur to me that time that i want to take could be taken from me mm-hmm. i did not like that so when it was denied i was like oh i got to get oh i got to I, I need to be my own boss there's mm-hmm. no way there's yeah. no way so yeah. we need to figure this out because if the productivity is still there you know what i mean the kpis are being met right we're we're good nobody right. else misses me And I'm just going to be sitting here because you want an eight o'clock meeting? No, sir. Absolutely not. Nope.
0: And that was your moment. That was it. Yeah.
3: I couldn't believe it. (laughs) He couldn't even look at me the rest of the day. I was like, don't, don't talk to me. I'm already plotting the exit strategy. That is crazy. Yeah. So, and I absolutely love the entrepreneurship journey that I've been on ever since because we work Just as hard, if not harder, you know what I mean? But my time is my time. Yeah. So if I'm like, I can't deal with this right now, I'm getting a pedicure. I can go do that. Now I might be up till, you know, 10 p.m. doing the thing I should have did at two. Yeah. But that's my choice. You know what I mean? And I'm still able to drive the business the way I want to drive the business and what's healthy for me. So I believe in work-life integration. Yeah. To where you're just interweaving it. Because especially with this, just having the three of us, eventually we'll be able to delegate and alleviate more bandwidth. But for right now, you just get those little glimmers of joy where you can get them. Sure. And no one can sit there and say, nah, you can't go. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. Well, I'm like, I'm an Aries. I can't. You can't just can't, tell me. Can't
0: hold me back. Uh-uh. So, <laughs> well, you know, and it's so funny you say that because I know that, you know, that's one of the reasons why I've always liked being my own boss. Mm-hmm. And, and there's just something to be said for that. But, you know, and I tell people all the time, I don't like live for the weekend, like, yeah, because like sometimes on the weekend I'm working, right. you know, right. I the got stuff weekend, to do the non-stop. whole exactly. yeah. So it doesn't. But I mean, I you, you just living
3: for Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's <laughs> just like that. or You know,
0: but I think that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. You you want that freedom and flexibility to do what the thing that you feel really called to do. Exactly. So, yeah. Jaron, what about you? I know you have a personal story. Um,
2: for me, it was. Being a creative in the industry and realizing how much of an afterthought we were as a people, but we set the trend, you know, we are pop culture, you know, Mm -hmm. and just seeing things that I wanted that I couldn't have because you literally didn't think I deserved to have it. You know what I mean? So I was just like, okay, I got to figure out how to make this for us by us exclusively. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: it's And it's so funny when you when you say that. And, and like, you know, like I was I, I remember the first time I explained to my kids like FUBU. Right. And they were mm-hmm. like, well, FUBU, what is that? And I was like, for us, by us. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, that's that's what Damon John created back in the day. You know, it was just like, hey. We've got to create something that is exclusively ours and, um, you know, so that people understand that because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're you're right. I mean, a lot of times our culture is appropriated in ways that Mm -hmm. it may not necessarily be positive. Yeah. And so I think it's important for us to be able to take that aspect of our culture and appropriate it in appropriate ways. Yeah. Right. So to the point where other people can feel uplifted
2: by it. I kept running into the into the situation of where I would be working for a specific company. And it's like, hey, make these black characters. Okay, that's too black. That's too dark. <laughs> Loosen up the curl a little bit. And I'm right. just like, are y'all sure y'all want it? This is this is what y'all really want. And by the time it's done, I'm like, this isn't what this isn't what we look like. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. This isn't this isn't authentic to us.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the challenge that you guys are always going to have in front of you mm-hmm. is staying true to that mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. aesthetic. Right, because I mean, people are always going to have something to share with you, and I'm sure you hear stories now when you go out and people know. Because it's it's not like it's not like you guys have a million commercials out and everybody's like, oh, those are the Black Paper Party women, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's right. like you know, over time you will develop, and people will be like, oh, that's Jasmine from Black mm-hmm. Paper Party, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. very much
2: like a, if you know, you know.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, how does I guess specifically community engagement play a role in what you guys are doing with Black Paper Party? What are you utilizing as a tool or a mechanism to kind of stay connected with folks in the community in terms of what you're doing with Black Paper Party?
3: Sure. So we take community in a couple of different ways. There's like our digital community. Yep. Um, so starting with that, again, there are about three crazy christmas lady face group facebook groups <laughs> and when i say insane they have been collecting for 40 years yeah. i mean like some of this stuff should be in a museum it yeah, really I'm should sure. like sure. they have and they start shopping when i say christmas in july is just another day to them they are shopping year round for their christmas goodies and they are like borderline hoarders versus collectors like this is a new level of women so we stay very very engaged with them because they are extremely sure of what they want they know how much they should pay for it they are acutely aware of what's new they know features benefits Costs like they know it all. So keeping that group engaged first is always fantastic. And they're going to let you know whether your stuff is great or it sucks. They will tell you immediately. (laughs) And they immediately peep if we change something. Yeah. So they and they know the price differences between retailers. They listen. They know you up and down. So we stay engaged with that group. And then from like an Instagram TikTok perspective, that's just a lot of emerging people that are like, they're not fanatics, but they definitely like to host and all of that. Mm -hmm. So we keep them engaged by, you know what I mean? Either creating like editorial content on, hey, you have scraps of paper. You can use that for journaling. You can use that to make your own DIY advent calendar. You can use that as any other kind of like paper craft. You just kind of give them that editorial content that they're looking for to continue to engage with your products and give them just new ideas and inspiration. So they keep coming back to you for more. And then in terms of community, as far as like the places in which we live. So when we first got started, I'll never forget. It was still really good paper. It's just, there was a registration issue on some of the printing, but we had so much paper that we honestly just couldn't resell. Mm-hmm. So we actually partnered up with the local parter's house and they had their huge gift drive. And we were just, we gave them everything we had. Yeah. And they were able to wrap all the gifts. And interestingly enough, most of the demographic is reflected in the paper, right? Yeah. The, of the communities they serve, so it was just a fantastic a way to did. engage there. When we first got started, I was just looking at a few pictures. We used to like we call it pushing paper. We used to push paper on the Bentonville Square, mm-hmm. any type of market of we could get into. Right, yeah, right. and then on the flip side of that, the community has engaged with us quite a bit. So even like the support from our one of our first loans was Kiva Startup Junkie. Yeah. So big support from there. We have so many local mentors that are just like, now nah, this is what you should do. They're the ones that can say this is what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's, what was it? it's been good.
2: We were um recently at a conference and I was in, in the ba- literally in the bathroom washing my hands. And this lady recognized me. She was like, you're Black Paper Party. This is how I want you to grow internationally. And this is how you're going to do it. And literally in the bathroom, she downloaded me. <laughs> how to start selling internationally. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know this lady from a can of paint. But you'd be surprised how many people are just like rooting for you that you may not have that face time with. What is it? Uh,
3: Endeavor. Endeavor in Northwest Arkansas. Sure. They're a fantastic group. So we even did like a how to get press ready session with them, which was fantastic. And we learned a whole lot that we didn't know. And we're just like, maybe we should have gone back and redid some of our our press pieces. Sure. Now that we do know we're, we're good going forward and they tell you how to get, you know, investors and really dig into your PL and all of that stuff. So it's been good. It's a lot of local resources. I mean, we
2: were in the ledger the other day and somebody helped you do a breakdown. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing I was I mean, you actually stole one of my questions. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Northwest Arkansas connection. I mean, that Northwest Arkansas, I would imagine outside of just the friends that you've, you've developed in your career mm-hmm. jobs. And then when you add in Black Paper Party, everything that you've done with Black-owned NWA, everything with Jazzy J NWA, Northwest Arkansas has played a tremendous role yeah. in your success by virtue of the fact that what I've always told people about Northwest Arkansas that I think is special is that people are very giving here, mm-hmm. wanting to help you. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I just recently started a business and like people were falling over themselves to give me advice or ideas yeah. or, hey, try this or try that. I, I had A great uh, individual helped me with some press release information that ultimately got me in the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Mm -hmm. and just additional exposure that I couldn't have paid for. Right. And I think that's one of the things that anybody listening to this that is thinking about starting a business or, you know, just doing anything in this area. It's a very supportive environment Mm -hmm. for entrepreneurship.
3: For sure.
0: You know, I mean, they can't they can't do the work for you. They can't. You know what I'm saying? They can't sell your product. But. They can give you tools. some of the tools necessary mm-hmm. to be successful. And I've seen you guys run with those tools yeah. with reckless abandon. <laughs> and, and and the right. results are showing. That. I mean, I just <laughs> I certainly encourage people to kind of watch what you guys have done and to see, you know, how things move forward. And with that said, what advice or or rather, what are your future visions for Black Paper Party? Where do you see yourself mm-hmm. in another five to six to six, seven years. I have an idea. Personally, I'll keep that to myself for right now. But, but where do you guys see Black Paper Party in the next, you know, five to seven years?
3: Just a household name. Yeah. So everything from television content to publishing. It'll be a lot more than just the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have like a so we yeah team. We'll, sales team, account management team, ops, logistics, all of that. So. Well, hopefully the goal is to scale quickly and also to be in all a lot of different other holidays, too. So we already have birthday, but that's with one retailer. Hopefully we can dominate birthday the way we dominate Christmas, Mm -hmm. the Valentine's Day and Easter programs, trying to expand that. I mean, six years, it could be a feature film. You know what I mean? So we're really working towards becoming just like an everyday name as opposed to just a seasonal name. Yeah. And then, but also really, again, standing unwaveringly on the importance of representation. So that, and then lastly, is just taking it international and being that for, for other countries as well. Because yes, our name is Black Paper Party, but they call it the global majority. The global majority is brown, right? right? They're of yeah. a melanated skin, and sure. those are the characters in our rap. So maybe not everyone has 4C hair, but right. we can run the gamut. Yes. Right. Um, however, uh, the global majority can see themselves in our items and we want to make sure we take that global.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I, I could totally see some of your characters coming to life, if you will. Mm-hmm. I'm using air quotes now that that <laughs> they would become like people would follow them. And, oh, and yeah. they would be, it would, it's
2: coming. Yeah, it's it, coming. it
0: is coming, especially with your background. Jeron, I mean, it's it's almost like you were set up for
2: this, right? When you, th- <laughs> right. I,
0: you must every now and then have to pinch yourself, being like, "This is this is." Well, I, didn't I ex- listen.
2: I'd be honest. I can't think about it. I, it gets overwhelming. It does. It's just like, has what's the next be. thing on the to do list?
0: Yeah, it has to be. Well, I think of how many times. You know, Walt Disney was told no, yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, he eventually persevered, and we're still oh, yeah. talking about him to this day. To this day. Yep. Like his same. legacy
2: is unde- Say what you want, his it's legacy is undeniable,
0: undeniable, mm-hmm. undeniable. And I would say the same will be is will ultimately be said. He for Who knows? You, we might so. have a black yeah.
2: paper party theme park. There we go.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, yeah. it, it, so how has? Um, and I'll and I'll end with this. How has sharing your story? Because again, you do this over and over again. How has you guys sharing your story impacted you both personally and professionally because I, I got to think that you know you probably yeah. think like when I look at you guys I like I like see sisters like sis- I don't have any siblings mm-hmm. but like you look like some of my first cousins you know what I'm saying it's <laughs> like so when I see you I see family yeah but yeah. but and so I'm constantly rooting for you as if I'm an older brother uh-huh. like hey these guys are gonna do it and I'm you know I'm I'm up here rooting for them but but for, how do you personally How does your story impact you personally and professionally, like sharing it on a regular basis? I
3: think actually for me, it's going to sound a little weird. So because of my merchandising background, I actually haven't changed the language between my nine to five to what I'm doing now. So I'm literally, I just kind of like flowed right into the position that I'm in. So I'm operating as though everything I'm doing is just business as usual and normal. And then as I, like, share, like, our story and all of that stuff and people react to it, and it's, like, a bigger reaction than I was thinking because I'm just like, I'm just, you know what I mean, (laughs) instead of buying products, I'm selling products, you know what I mean? I'm just like, wait, what we're doing actually isn't normal. You know what I mean? To be three-year-old business, three black women, With, you know what I mean, 200 SKUs across six major retailers and 6,000, you know, points of distribution, 6,000 doors, that's actually not as commonplace as we feel it is because we're used to, we've already been set up to talk about hundreds of thousands worth of POs and hundreds and thousands of pieces of inventory and, you know. 1.5 1.5 million in an order, right? Because we're used to that number. Yeah. There's a reason why we've been set up and I, you know, divinely, I think we. there's a reason we've been set up to just be able to say those numbers and not flinch because we needed to be in that position so we can operate out on that level. However, the interviews that we've had and the reaction that we've been receiving actually helps me stay grounded in the fact that it's not normal. Yeah. And to be very, very grateful for where we are and to even kind of push harder. But also it helps to understand that I'm just, (laughs) I'm still kind of crazy. I'm just Jasmine from Cincinnati. So even though, you know what I mean, we've been set up and have amazing backgrounds that led us to where we are today, we are still very much the sister, you know what I mean? The auntie, Mm -hmm. the daughter, the friend that, you know, anybody can be where we are right now. So. Be grateful for the position that we're in, grateful for everything that has happened to order us to be at this point in life. But take the time to actually celebrate the fact that you're here, because there's so much to be like bogged down by, especially in an entrepreneurship journey. That we actually don't celebrate the wins, and being where we are right now in itself is a win. Right. But because we've been programmed to feel as though it's normal, it actually doesn't feel as a as big of a win as some people actually may perceive it to be. Yeah. We, um, like, we
2: can go harder. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> right. We was like, y'all ain't even <laughs> seen, seen nothing me. yet. This um, is just we were we we Wait till we thrive. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But the interviews and kind of the press pieces that we've done has actually helped me to better just understand that we're operating on a level that's actually not normal and to be grateful for that and to celebrate that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have anything you want to add, Sharon?
2: I just think. We truly enjoy what we do. Like I tell people, I get, you know, I'm blessed to be in a position where I'm getting paid to do this. I'm able to make an income and support myself doing this. But when I wasn't making an income and supporting myself doing this, I was still doing it. So now that I'm, I can add the impact of like how it affects other people that are buying our products and experiencing it and using it to create their family memories. It just makes me want to go harder. Like it makes me want to create more, be better, go higher.
0: Wow. I love that. Yeah. And and I mean, again, you guys are the perfect testimony for those that are trying to determine if the extra effort mm-hmm. is worth it. When I look at you guys and the success that you've had in short order with Black Paper Party, the extra effort is worth it. You know, I kind of channel y'all sometimes as, <laughs> as, as well as others that I, I follow and really admire, you know, in terms of that folks that have had success. And it's not so much about like instant success, as it is just success, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why I think the testimony is so powerful and it's so important. And so, and for a lot of people, they need to hear that testimony over and over again to have a better understanding and attachment to what's required for you to be successful in any endeavor. Mm
2: -hmm. But
0: at the end of the day, all I hear y'all saying is you got to put the work in. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to put the work in. You have to have a dream that you will not allow to be deferred. Mm Mm-hmm. And you've got to be partnered up and sharing, connecting with others that think the same way. Right. You yeah. know, like they say, if you're in a room and you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find mm-hmm. a different room because yep. that there's never going to be any real growth in that space. Sure. And I see you guys constantly elevating yourselves into different rooms so that you can continue to grow. And then I see you also bringing it back. Yeah. to the community to share with others to say hey we did it y'all can do it too Right. so well, it's that simple we
2: always some people what's our tagline we stay somewhere we're not supposed to be yeah right
0: <laughs> yeah i love that so mm-hmm. well listen i appreciate you guys coming back on the podcast it's yeah. always a pleasure we when, you when we appreciate for having us no absolutely for me it's always special when i can bring somebody on a second time and now you guys are in an illustrious group of people that I've had on a few <laughs> times. I think Omar Kasem from CaseM Ventures, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he's got come quesos and plomos. He's about to blow up in Dallas with yeah. that. I've had chef Nate Walls on a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, um, Mr. Nate. Yes. Uh, I've had the folks from Ozark natural foods on yep. a few times. So, so yeah, there's a special group of people. So I tell anyone, <laughs> if you've listened to my podcast, anybody that I've had on more than once, It's worth going back and re-listening to those episodes. So I want to encourage people to listen to episode 33 of the podcast, Just Ask Jazzy JNWA. And uh, you'll also learn a lot about the way that they've interacted with this community because they're not just about their business, but they also are about giving back to the community. And and we couldn't even touch upon all the ways that they've done that outside (laughs) of Black Paper Party. So (laughs) suffice it to say, these are some amazing women. I'm certainly honored to call them friends. And certainly happy, happy, happy that they represent Northwest Arkansas the way that they do. And of course, the black community. So Jasmine and Jeron, thank you guys so much. And Amadia, you're not here, but you're here in spirit. And uh these guys have represented you really well. So we appreciate you too and and continued success. Congratulations on the baby. Oh, yeah. And we look forward to the future of Black Paper Party and, and where it's gonna go next. I have a belief that we're going to be hearing some really big things about you guys in the oh, very near future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Stay it's, tuned. it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time, and this will be a comma in our conversation, and we'll come back to it again at some point. So thank you guys both so much. Thank, thank you. For you. Us. Absolutely. If people want to connect with you, what's the website to go to?
3: Sure. www.blackpaperparty.com.
0: There you go. It's it. That's it. So, folks, we appreciate you checking out this episode of uh, the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Remember, our episode comes out every Monday, rain or shine, and then you can check out a segment of the podcast on Ozarks at Large every Tuesday, both at noon and at 7 p.m. Remember, that's on KUAF, our local public radio station here in Northwest Arkansas. Our podcast can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, you name it, we're there. We'd love for you to check out all of our episodes. And uh, if you know someone or know an organization that should be shared on this platform, please let us know by reaching out to hello at IamNorthwestArkansas.com. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest
1: Arkansas podcast. Peace.